Welcome to Presence by Naki O. I am your host, Naki Osute, and I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. It's part two of Location, 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 and I sit down with Aiden Sykes to discuss his experiences coming into the advertising industry and the ways in which his location, where he grew up, where he came of age, impacted that experience. I also promised that you would get to hear the story of how Aiden and I met, and it's on this episode as well. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, oh, I'm so glad to get to talk to you, Aiden. Um, Thank you for doing this. Thank you for the invite. So thrilled to get to talk to you about who you are, where you're going, where you've been, and intersecting your story with the story of Kevin Johnson, uh, CEO of Mediacom. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to know about you. Who are the Sykes? Hmm. Um, the Sykes family is very interesting. I would say that we are a tribe of book nerds, um, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious. And that's shout out to our mother. Our mother went to school for journalism. So books have always been a part of our household um, and a household of hustlers. My dad was an entrepreneur. Um try and start his own business and figuring things out so it's been it's a household of discovery and adventure i would say oh i love that description we are a tribe of book nerds that's beautiful yeah, yeah exactly literally there's like stacks of books behind you stacks of books everywhere <laughs> um you know i i i can't i can't have this interview with you without without a conversation about how you and i met and I'm interested, I'm interested in you reflecting on that story and connecting it to this tribe of book nerds, this group of explorers, adventurers. Tell me how all those come together. Oh man. Um, I guess it comes together from how we were raised. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my mother came from a first generation family of a blue collared and she was very big into education and discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, traveling the world, working in all different places. And I think she took that because I think in black culture a lot, and she says it a lot of times, is like, we are put into boxes. Yeah, You're supposed to be this person. Um, And she didn't fit into that mold. And so I think the first thing that she did for us was make sure that she gave us a space to figure out who we were and not limit it. Mm. So not say that you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that. But also reminding us that because you are black people will assume things of you regardless yeah um so shout out to her for that and i think that's what's kind of gave us the freedom to kind of explore and try things out Mm -hmm. um but like i think every young kid learned and the parents learned like teaching you how to operate in a space that is not necessarily always meant for you yeah because growing up in the suburbs i didn't have black people around me it was italian it was portuguese it was filipino outside of my immediate family, I didn't really know any black kids. So wow. um, all the assumptions I got were from media and my parents. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very interesting in that space. And, you know, when, when you touched on your, your, your mom teaching you the lessons of like not, not subscribing to any particular box, but also recognizing that the world may want to do that to you. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, when I, when I, when I turn back two years ago, when we met on the subway that day, 
Mm, yeah, yeah, that was a crazy meeting to say very, the least. It's very much, in some ways, it's one of those moments that I'm sure your mom was afraid of or concerned about for you. Can you describe what happened that day? Yeah, that was, that was so crazy. Um, and talk about to meet someone for the first time. Um, I was literally getting off work on a busy subway um, just like anybody else, TTC, you know, crammed up, just trying to get home. Um, and there was this uh, woman who just seemed completely, just kind of out of it. Yeah. Um, who started yelling racial slurs at me. Yeah. And it was, and then she got very aggressive. And I think the first thing you want to do is you brace yourself or you want to look around and everyone around me in the subway and it was packed we're talking rush hour everybody was almost looking like it wasn't happening Mm -hmm. so it felt like i was alone in a space full of like that like hundreds of people and i'm having this woman attack me and i think the first thing that came to my mind um growing up was just like don't react because the first thing is going to be you and be the one in the wrong if you react, you're going to be the one at fault and they're going to make assumptions. And that's when you and another gentleman um, who so courageously kind of stepped up and stood there and stood by my side during that whole time until finally someone rang the subway um, alarm to let them know that there was someone there. Um, and that moment was, I was in such shock. And I was so thankful to have you and the other gentlemen there. Um, And we didn't even, it was just a quick interaction. We didn't exchange names, numbers, anything. It was just kind of like this camaraderie that just happened at a moment. And it was the most beautiful thing ever. It was. (laughs) Well, this day, I can't remember a more beautiful moment where just three people said, we're gonna show, we're gonna show each other and show this this subway car of people mm-hmm. that we care for each other. We see each other and we care. And without words, without being defensive to this woman, we just took a stand. Yeah. It was it was the most beautiful thing, even now thinking about it. Um, it's almost that unspoken, right? Um, connection. And in a city that's always, you're always trying to one up each other and fight to get to the top it was a nice kind of reminder of humanity and what it is to really look and care for one another. Um, And that really, really just hit so heavy for me. Mm -hmm. So I can never, ever thank you enough for just being there. Well, I'm grateful that I got to be there and, and got to share in that moment with you because, I mean, two things. One, you were so stoic. This woman was in inches away from your face (laughs) and the very thing you were thinking when you said just now that you were thinking, if I react, it's gonna it's gonna turn on me. She actually said that at one point. She actually said, I, I think something like, I can spit in your face right now, and you're gonna you're, you're gonna you're gonna be in trouble for it. Yeah. She, she, she knew. She knew the weapon of her body versus the threat that your body would be perceived as. So that so you know just incredible to see you just be the stoic figure in that moment and then the second thing is incredibly a couple of weeks later we ran into each other again in the path yeah i was like but wait 
How is this happening? <laughs> the likelihood of that even happening is like, I can't even imagine. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. And then, and then we were, then we, we, we had, we decided we had to like get together and, and just chop it up a little bit. And in course of that conversation, we found out that we had a few people that we knew in common. One of them, Kevin Johnson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who I interviewed a couple of weeks ago for, for this podcast. And I know you had an opportunity to listen to it. So I wondered what, what stood out to you from listening to that conversation? There was, there was a few things that really stood out to me. Um, I think looking up to Kevin Johnson and see what he's done, because he has done remarkable things, um, is his rise and how it is similar but different at the same time for myself. Mm. Um, just because there's the commonality of just being Black. Yes. Um, but then there's the difference of... Um, how you're raised or where you're raised, the communities that you're raised in help define you in different ways and different patterns. It's interesting because Kevin talks a lot about that in his interview. He talks about mm -hmm. being from Rexdale and 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 hiding it because he didn't want there to be yet another thing for mm -hmm. people to put him in a box about. So what what would it be what what differences did you see as far as how you've taken your upbringing into your your work or your into your career versus the way that Kevin didn't i guess there's two two answers to that so i guess for one for me i was always raised around non-black people i was always around a very di diverse community so from a very young age i learned how to um adapt within various cultures mm. um hang out with friends that were filipino learning tagalog or yeah. like going to italian places it's just like that was a natural thing for me mm -hmm. um what wasn't natural and that was very difficult was having a strong cultural community. Mm. I didn't grow around a strong cultural community. So for me, I was always um, not having a true identity hmm. um, of what it was to be black. Cause even though my parents were, my parents were always working, so they weren't really around. So to tap into culture, I never really had that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that was something that was very different for me. Career-wise, I think it worked out tremendously. I was able to adapt very quickly mm -hmm. because I've had to do it since for mm -hmm. my whole life. And and I guess in your case, where you grew up wouldn't have been a point of of potential shame. Like No. Can you share where you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in Mississauga. I grew up I grew so up in North Mississauga. Yeah. It's not gonna be like Mississauga. So have, yeah. you, have you held a gun before? Yeah, <laughs> when, exactly. I went, when I went to university and um, to a friend of mine, both of us from, were from Rexdale. And I remember someone saying to her, oh, so what does it feel like to hold a gun? Oh my and, like, God. The assumption that because we were from Rexdale that she would have had that experience. So I don't think people were making that, making that assumption about Aiden from Mississauga. No, but I think, <laughs> yeah. And I think the difference was that as a child, the, those assumptions were given to me because I didn't fit into the community. So I was pulled over more times than ever. I have been, wow. the, the things that happened in, let's say, other communities were happening to me because they didn't think I was a part of those communities. There was, I was, I remember at one point I was walking home from work and I was arrested on my front lawn because they didn't believe I lived there. Wow. I think I was like, how old was I? Maybe I think I was like, 15, 16, what? but this is something that, and this is the opposite side that 
I talk about just being um, young within the suburbs, people it's like, oh, you haven't done hood stuff. It's like, yeah, but the, um, the challenges you face are different. And that's what I was talking about before was kind of like um, being black in different places have their own challenges. Mm -hmm. And so having to learn how to be stoic and know how to um, sit up properly and talk properly because you're being looked at differently just by walking into walking to school because people don't feel like you should be there mm. or walking into a certain neighborhood or kids playing manhunt in the forest and me not necessarily being able to go out because if the police are out they're gonna think I'm running and hiding and my parents would be like no you can't you yeah. can't go out yeah. and so those are the things that I grew up in at a very young age so when it came to that point and being um, on that subway, that's nothing new because that was something I was doing from when I was a kid in elementary school. Fortunately. Yeah, so. so. So how does that show, like what shows up for you when you start working? And and, I, and I'm curious, especially because, you know, you, you went to work in advertising at some point in your career, yeah. which is this, you know, this industry that has a lot of uh, social component to it. Yeah. So it seems to me like there's a lot of interacting dinners and yeah. events. And so, so talk to me about what your experience has been like, especially as you compare it to what you heard in Kevin's interview. Yeah, I think to Kevin's point, um, to Kevin's point, the social aspect is a lot and people do make assumptions. Mm. Um, there's definitely this like, um, oh, you must have like, you must know all these cool things. You you must have been a ball player. You must have been this. Like all those assumptions are still there. Um, it was like, oh, um, can you show me these new dance moves? Because I know you know how to dance. You must know how to dance. Like at all the social parties, at every single event. And half the time, I'll just be like, no, I I actually don't. Yeah. Um, just because. And it's it's a hard minefield to navigate if you haven't been around it. Mm -hmm. um but like opposite to kevin's experience because i was around it so much i've known how to put on that mask yeah yeah so i was able to be like ah okay cool guys moving on and so does that does that mask get heavy though it does it gets it gets it gets very heavy and it's it's you don't realize how heavy it is because it's always been on yeah um so to take it off um it's probably one of the hardest things mm -hmm. um and i think one thing that is not discussed a lot is that the mask sometimes is still on within your own community yeah talk about that so i think a big thing that i had during this whole like george floyd and everything that's been going on we've had a lot of stuff at my company um and i'm lucky enough to be working with quite a few black people um mm -hmm. As you know, now I work in the music industry, yeah. um, which has been a great experience, but it's unpacking the different black experiences that was very, very heavy for me and having conversations within my own community where people would be like, I come from Rex, I come from this block, I know this and this. And for me to come in and be like, I don't know that. I don't come from that experience. Yeah. I have a different experience and it's almost kind of like some people hold it as a badge and it's almost like you don't feel like you can be a part of that club because you don't have that similar struggle and people make you feel like you're not a part of it because you don't have that similar struggle. 
Mm. It's like, oh, your parents came from good, so you don't know what it is to work hard to make it. Like you've had a spoon in your hand. And it's like, those are things that you hear within your own community without them even knowing what it is just because of your your area code or where you came from. Mm. And it's almost like you hide it. And, and what, what effect does that have on you or what effect do you think it has on black people in general? Um, it's almost like um, shooting down your self-esteem. Like, like it, it's almost like you feel like, you feel like you've worked hard, but it's feel like people don't believe you because you came from a place of what mm -hmm. they consider privilege. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that has been a, that is the hardest thing, I think, when it comes to that Black community understanding is kind of like we, the layers of it is, because I would talk to a lot of kids, Black kids come from the suburbs and we relate a lot Yeah. Um, because they're just like eight and I'm trying to fit in and I don't know how to fit in. Like, I know these things, like, but I don't, these kids won't connect with me because I'm not from the Rex, I'm not from Malvern, I'm not from these areas. I don't know what it is. And it's like, the interests are the same, but it's like, it stops because if there's not that commonality, mm -hmm. they don't think of you as one and the same. So to to Kevin's point, um, where he's like, he hid his background from the corporate world. It's almost like I hid my background from my own community. Wow, wow, yeah. And so it's even to say it, it sometimes it scares me because I feel like people just look at me differently when they're like, oh, you're from Saga. And, I, and I've seen that where people are like, oh, so you're like, you're not from the ends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you rock with us? Like, how do you know this? Exactly. And I'm just like. Well, because there's the assumption that you're bougie and like you have no idea. Yeah. And I think that I think it, it's limiting for us as a, as a black, as black communities, because we're saying that legitimate black people only have this one experience. And if you don't yeah. have it, then you're not legitimate for some reason. Yeah. And I wonder, has that had any impact on you as far as even finding mentors and building mentoring relationships? Um, to some degree, yes. Some of my earlier mentors have not been people that are black. Mm -hmm. um, but now I find I found a lot more that are and I start to understand the experience, but I think once you get to a certain point, it's no longer the um, the background, but people are looking at the hustle and the work that you're putting in. And I find that's where the mentorship now, where it's like people are no longer looking at you for where you come from, but it's kind of like, how are you pushing forward? Mm -hmm. And I think that makes it that much easier and better for like a person like Kevin who didn't know me, didn't know my background, but he just saw someone that looked similar to him and was working hard and was in the space. Hmm. And tell, tell me about some of your early meetings with him in that kind of mentoring capacity. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So it's like, we almost were like ships passing at night because I was already like on my way out. I was already just like, forget this place. They're not giving me the time and day. Mm. Um, and to his point, there wasn't real mentorship happening for me. There weren't people there. And so when he came in the building for me, I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like I've never seen a black, like I've never seen someone at this level before, let alone like, like a black guy. And like to be working at my shop. Wow. And at that point I was like, I was entry level. I was an assistant media exec. I was just like, just pretty much like grabbing coffee, trying to figure things out and just get it. And for him to invite me 
into his space and have a real conversation with me almost took me aback. Wow. Like I was scared. I was, he probably didn't know that. I was nervous as hell um, because I'm just like, why does he want to talk to me? Like, what is this? Have I done something wrong? And he just kind of kept it 100. And he's just like, if you ever need anything, please like come talk to me. Um, but you also made sure to like really be very professional, which is I respect so much. It was kind of like, I think being a young black man and you see someone else, they automatically jump to be like, yo, what up dog? It's just like, no, this is a professional space. Um, and we need to respect each other and understand what we're trying to do. Cause all trying to, we're all trying to set a new president. Mm-hmm. And I remember when he kind of like imparted that onto me, that really, really started making me think in a different perspective. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I really need to present myself in a manner, regardless of who is in the room. And he's just like, we can have these conversations behind closed doors, but remember that people are judging us immediately when we go out into the public. Mm-hmm. And so we always need to make sure that we are putting our best foot forward and that we are championing each other. And I think that was a great lesson that he shared with me. And Aiden, you know, sometimes, sometimes I hear people talk about that and they say, you know, we, we want to make sure we're putting our best foot forward and we're acting professional all the time, but that can kind of get blurry when it but that can kind of get blurred with respectability Mm. so this idea that in order for us to be accepted we have to essentially imitate or emulate whiteness Mm. so for you is there ever a like what what comes up for you when you think about that distinction like do you ever feel like you are crossing over too much like where's the line Honestly, I think I just started trying to figure, I just kind of figured out that line for myself. And I think that comes with self-confidence where it's a matter of, you don't know what to emulate because you only see white. So that's what you emulate from the jump. Right. Right. So for me growing up, all I knew was this kind of like, this is what it is to be um, professional. And then once I started seeing people who were like me, who spoke like me, who also got down with me, realized like you don't have to act like you don't have to emulate what it is to be the professional in the white world you can still be you and still be professional mm-hmm. um and i think the impetus of where that started was my early conversations with kj wow so he i remember when i he found out that i was leaving he called me in i think like the same day or like something <laughs> like that and he he cussed me out <laughs> He actually cussed me out. I don't know if you remember this, but he cussed me out. He cussed me out in his office and he cussed me out out of a place of love. And I think that was the greatest thing ever where he was just like, if you had issues, like I would have been here to help champion you and help you out. Um, And I know you made the decision and he he gave it to me. He's like, if you want to turn back on the decision, like I want to be here for you. And if you don't, I remember he gave me this one one rhythm. Like you have to understand how to zigzag in this industry. This industry is very difficult, and for you to climb, you need to take your lessons, listen, and maintain your relationships. Mm-hmm. Never burn any bridges. Always make sure that you leave on a good footing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember those little words of wisdom um, helped me out on my next journey. I decided to still leave at the end of the day, and he respected it. And I remember he said, "Here's my number." reach out I still want to be here for you and I think that was the first time within a professional space there was someone that 
wanted to see the best of me for me and not because it was an agenda for the company, right? They didn't want to lose another body because they had to fill it in. Um, it was more of just like, I generally want to see you succeed. And so I want to be there for you as you continue your climb. Mm, that's beautiful. And so, yeah, so that was, I think that was the first time of me understand like I could be myself professionally and still, and that's when I started growing the beard. That's when I really started showing my skin where I was like, I can still be myself um, and still maneuver in these spaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an ongoing um, journey of like awakening. Like if you're just constantly yeah. awakening to, okay, I could, this is how I can, I can bring even more of myself Yeah. for myself. I'm still, I'm still doing that. Like this, year, <laughs> this year I felt like, okay, I can even go further. Here's, mm. all, here's all the other parts of me that I can bring into the mix. And it's, it's good. So what are you doing now? Tell me about what you're up to. So I am now working at Sony Music. I've been there for about a year and a half now. So I'm a manager of artist marketing. Tell me what that means exactly. So essentially, if you look at it from, I like to break it down in the advertising account side. So essentially, um, I manage a roster of artists that are international and domestic. So imagine them as like products. Um, I don't like to look at them that, but essentially my job is to help build the brand and the profiles as they release music um, within the within Canada across the Sony label system. Wow, congratulations, Aiden. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. And so what what is it about this industry that is compelling to you? Um, I've always had a love for it. I've always worked in it um, on my own. And I think that was the one thing that even KJ talked about in his was a matter of, you put in the work, but you also got to put in that extra effort. And like work-life balance is huge, but when you really want something, shutting off at five as much as it's great. And um, maybe I'm speaking at it because I'm I'm still on the climb. Mm -hmm. It's like, you have to be hungry. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was a DJ, I used to manage artists, I used to run events. Um, and so coupling that with my love for advertising and marketing, um, I was provided the opportunity um, to take on this role. And I just jumped at it because I'm just like, I don't know when I'm ever gonna get this opportunity again. Um, and I love this, I love it. I love music. I love what it does. I love what it feeds and I love what we can do with it. Amazing. I have, I do have to ask you though, because I know that you've done a lot of this stuff entrepreneurially, mm. what made you say, okay, I want to go work for this big company. Cause I, I still feel like I'm still early in my development stage within my career. Mm. I still think there's so much more for me to learn. And I think everyone's always learning, but for me, it's a matter of broadening my skill set and my knowledge um, for whatever is to come. And so being in the advertising space for close to well, over five years mm -hmm. from an assistant going on, I would have stayed, to be honest. I was just still so much for me to learn. And I had a great mentor at my last job um, initiative um, where I was learning strategy. And I literally just got into that role and then this opportunity came up and I said, when else am I going to get a chance to understand about the music industry um, in a way like, like hands on, mm -hmm. like when am I going to learn and be able to take part in it? Mm -hmm. And so that was my, my personal choice to be like, I want to learn more and I want to expand on my skill set and my knowledge mm -hmm. in hopes that that can be tenfold for whatever is to come for my future and for whatever else I can share. 
because a lot of us as young creatives, we don't know what happens behind the scenes and it's not necessarily shared. So for me, it's just like if I could be in that space and learn and help share back that knowledge, that's only going to help my fellow creative community and help us all grow. And I think that's where that's what has really driven me to kind of stay and learn for myself, but also for those around me. I can only imagine that these kind of roles are not coming available every day. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. So how did you land this? Um, literally being in the streets, to be honest with you, I'm not gonna lie to you. Literally just like going to events, going to shows, um, making like going every night just to, I enjoyed it, but it's also just like, keeping your finger on the pulse hmm. um and because i was keeping my finger on the pulse um there's a mentor of mine Juan, and i think this is what happened once again it's kind of like i didn't ask for people to be mentors but it's a more of just like being in the space and people recognizing that you're putting in the work mm -hmm. and they continuously see you mm -hmm. the dialogue just naturally progresses yes um and i think that's the one thing i learned from a lot of people um that it's like you can talk but if you're not putting in the work um, people recognize you. You don't need to shout from like the the heavens. If you literally just show up all the time, you will be recognized. You don't know when. And so for me, it was me getting opportunity to work on an art show, actually, funny enough. Yeah. Um, and so I put on an art show with this young Black creative at the TMAC. And Juan, who was um, who's the one that connected me with my role, shout out to Juan Love. Um, he's the one his best friend works at he's work at sony and his best friend worked there and he was looking for people and he just always saw me and so he just gave me a call I was like aiden i know you work in these spaces i see all the time um i think this might be a role that might be interesting interesting for you oh my gosh and like we didn't know each other outside from just like being at an event and me just always asking questions like i would just see these people i'm just like i like what you do i don't know what you do but like, do you have 10 minutes to just like talk? So you like, you were, you were about building relationships. And I think that's, yeah, that's exactly what I learned from once again, KJ, from working as young, it's just like build relationships. You understand that. And it's just like, you don't just do it in the corporate setting, but you do it everywhere. Cause you never know what can be. Mm -hmm. um, and you always give when you give and you don't expect anything back, things will naturally happen. And I think that was the mindset that I was taught and I was raised on and it has been a blessing for me. Well, it's, it's it seems like it's definitely served you well. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not changing, I'm not changing the track. I'm just keeping on that. And it's just like sharing that back to people. Cause I find a lot of times, especially in music, a lot of people are asking you for stuff, but people aren't giving. So it's like, when I find that people are giving, that's when I want to give back more. Yeah. And you're, you're going to go further for that person who is the one that's always giving, right? Exactly. So as we as we get to close to our end point, I have to yeah. ask you about our two final segments. Okay. So, you know, this, this, this podcast has the first segment, which is about one day it'll all make sense. So this is what we just did. Mm -hmm. The second segment is a nonsense. And because I know you, <laughs> I know you get down with the Ganyan community. So you I do, I do. <laughs> and so in this segment, I'm just looking for you to tell me of your observations of what's happening in society generally, what would you say is hey. a nonsense? 
sense. No sense. Ooh, man. Um, damn. Um, honestly, if I'm going to keep it 100, um, it's these panel, these panel conversations on Zooms. <laughs> Nonsense to me. Honestly, like, there's so many of them that's just like cool cool i'm glad we're having another conversation about this yet again but like what is actually happening guys and so I, when you say these panel conversations on a particular topic can you just be specific uh, I, conversations in general i think particular topics that are overdone um and i'm gonna have to steal a little bit from kj but like the whole black Lives matters yeah um I think there's a lot of panel, especially within the music space. I've learned there's a lot of people that will um, speak on it, but mm. people aren't actually taking action to it. Mm. Um, so you're seeing all of these great articles and all these posting and all these photo ops and stuff like that, which to me are complete nonsense because half of these people are ones that were the issue in the first place. Mm. Tell it. You know? Um, and now because of the fire, they're just trying to take photo ops. And so the people that are taking these photo ops my big thing is just like are you taking these photo ops for yourself or are you actually doing something for the community after the fact mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people that are of our skin but aren't actually here to build for the community mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so it's one of those things where it's just like i just find it a lot of nonsense and i just don't got time for those those fake ass people that are just not pardon me i'm cussing those those people that are um <laughs> Say they're here for the culture by putting work to build the culture. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big nonsense. Yeah. And the last segment is you better recognize. Mm. So is there anyone or anything that you want to recognize and celebrate? Um actually can i shout out one one person yeah. um i would actually shout out and um his name is the honorable philip sutherland mm -hmm. and he's one of the first black judges here in ontario he's actually a local mm -hmm. um and he has been almost like a father figure to me and he did it out of personal um just personally because he just saw the struggle and he I messed up a lot when I was younger and he took the time to um, guide me through it on my personal journey. And he's done that for a lot of other young youth. And I think we have a lot of these great programs that are out there, but it's shouting out some of these individual people that have taken the time to do it that may not be a part of these programs, mm -hmm. you know, but do take the time. And it might be someone's uncle, someone's aunt, you know what I mean? Um, they don't necessarily get the shout outs because they are not in the fold, but they have made such impact to people they don't recognize. And so I would just want to recognize him and other people like him who don't necessarily need to, but do it. And those are the people that don't get enough love, I think. Perfect. That's beautiful. Aiden, thank you so much. This was amazing. <laughs> thank you for having me, honestly. <laughs> This is honestly it's so dope. See, it's just so dope seeing you. And once again, like everything that you do, once again, I think that's also something to recognize. And you need to recognize just the work that you and all these great figures um, are doing. We as like the 
come up, as you like to say, we see it and we respect it and it makes us want to go harder because like we don't want to leave that space open. You know what I mean? We want to make sure that we're opening it to go just the way you guys have been. And it's it's changing, it's changing the landscape in such a real way. Wow. So, well, you thank know you. Thank you. It's it's so exciting to think about what the future whether it's of, of the music industry or whatever, wherever you land, I'm excited for that industry because they're gonna get they're gonna be so lucky. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, just to have somebody of your creativity and hustle and and care is is really special. So so I just love the honesty and self-reflection you get in both Aiden and Kevin's stories. And obviously these are just two of millions of stories of how where we grow up impacts or doesn't impact our experience in the corporate world. But I just love that these two stories really spoke to different ways in which our identity is shaped by our geographic location. So again, huge thank you to Aiden for an amazing conversation. And as always, a massive thank you listeners for, for continuing to support the show. I just also want to encourage you to consider how you might make space for folks to bring more of themselves into the workplace. You know, there's a ton of conversation about how we need to bring our authentic selves to work. It's really easy to do that if your authentic self is aligned to the dominant culture. But what are we doing to ensure that these spaces are safe for people to bring aspects of themselves that aren't actually aligned to the dominant culture? You know, we can't, we can't get the best of each other if some of us are spending a portion of our time protecting a piece of ourselves that we don't want people to know. So again, as always, listeners, please send me any feedback, topics that you're interested in. I love to get compliments on the show, but also any other feedback that you have. You can hit me up on my socials at Presence by Naki O on Instagram and Twitter. And if you aren't already a subscriber, please subscribe because you know we don't drop episodes on any specific date. So if you are a subscriber, you will never miss a show. Thank you so much for listening. Until the next time, make space, take space. Peace.